0: everyone and welcome to glass breakers podcast i'm your host kayla logan and every week i'll be featuring innovators and disruptors so settle in because it's about to get real hi everyone welcome back or welcome to the podcast today i am with the incredible nadine woods from the amazing toronto ethical luxury lingerie brand mayana genevieve did i say it right mayana you did mayana Genevieve, um they produce undergarments for women at any stage and they're helping you reconnect with who you truly are and i say women loosely if you like the lingerie it's welcome to all people yes yes thank you so much for joining today thank you for having me i'm really excited I know I'm thrilled about this. Like since the first time I talked to you like over the phone before I'd ever try your products, I like wanted to do something about like women's bodies or some kind of partnership or collaboration. So this is perfect.
1: So I really love, I love your style. I love how you are so forthcoming with everything that you're going through. And I just love your photos because they're so fun and you're so happy. And the energy that you bring is just so fabulous and we need more of that you know when you were on the real runway in new york um, real catwalk yes i think that's how we kind of connected and i mean there just needs to be more of it there in this world and and we're getting there we're slowly getting there
0: I agree. And I'm like, I'm a huge fan of your line. I think it's really hard to find quality, ethical lingerie that is more inclusive. I find a lot of the brands, you'll find them from like places like Paris, and it's meant for maybe up to a size six. Um, And the quality of yours is beyond incredible. Also, the bras can be used for nursing or they were intentionally, they began as nursing bras, right? Yes. Yeah, but they don't look like it. They're stunning. Yeah.
1: So that was the point is like, I had my daughter, I actually gained a hundred pounds when I was pregnant with her. So it was Mm -hmm. a very different world for me. I, it offered new perspective. I wasn't somebody who was judgmental to begin with in terms of body sizing and body shaming, but Mm -hmm. it did offer me a completely different perspective of what it's like to live with really big breasts or you know, to go from a size small, extra small to an extra large. And it was a very quick turnaround time for me. It mm-hmm. wasn't, it, it it felt like it happened overnight. So I felt as though if I was making something like this for women after they've had children, it would be, I would not be doing it justice because women, you don't know what's going to happen to your body. Say- and, you know, and I, And I just felt like, so from the get go, that was just something I'm like, yeah, we're hundred percent doing, you know, sizes that are going to be reflective of a real situation, not of what we think people should fit into. Um, so that's a lot harder to develop, especially as a small brand. Like people don't really have, you know, they start off with different things it depends on what your motivation is or what your purpose is. But that's kind of how I started the brand. And I really wanted to create nursing bras that didn't feel like nursing bras and that's how I kind of started the line Mm -hmm. when you become a mom or you start nursing a lot of women just don't feel good about themselves Mm. I mean I think the term that we use and it's not not always the nicest term but a lot of people be like oh I feel gross because you have things coming out of your body all day and it it just doesn't feel nice. So when you put on something nice, it makes a huge difference. But then if you have a plastic clip attached to it, it just kind of keeps you in that maternity phase. Yeah. And I wanted to have something like how I felt, I don't want to see, but yeah, in like back phenomenon, but more in like, there's so much more that happens when you have children that people don't realize, like your identity changes and you yeah. lose a lot of who you, you once were and you don't you're not, people are not prepared for that and that's what we kind of try to do. Um, and then it moved on into other things because it's wireless and because we had already graded up for the fuller cup sizes, it just was a
0: natural fit for women who want to feel comfortable. In terms of launching the brand, was this an idea you had while being pregnant or afterwards? Like where does the story of the company come from?
1: So the story comes from after I had my daughter.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was like that. Because
1: now I was a 34B
0: and I went up to a 38D. Okay. That's a slight difference. Like that's just yeah. a size too.
1: <laughs> I was a completely different person. And I also did not feel like myself. And then the plastic clips on the nursing bras were not making me feel good about myself.
0: Yeah, I I mean they're not very pretty to be honest. Anytime I've seen most nursing right. bras
1: and they weren't very functional. I'll be very honest. Like it was it's a it's a mission to try and get your baby and then and then you feel uncomfortable and then there's already the stigma with breastfeeding in public and it's just a whole bunch of oh my goodness. So, you know, as a new mom and a first-time mom, it's it can be overwhelming and you you have all these social pressures and then you feel all this it's weird. It's it's kind of like maybe sometimes going to high school. The first day of high school, your first outing, breastfeeding in public is you don't know what to expect, you know, and you're nervous. <laughs> I know
0: I like I think about it all the time because I see these mothers on social media and they're like so proud and they're taking photos and I'm like supporting I think it's so beautiful but then I try to put myself in those shoes like I'm not a mother and I want to be that person who would be like a huge breastfeeding advocate in public but I'm like what is that actually like to just like whip out your boob in public and be like hello world I'm just nourishing my child
1: yeah but you know, it's interesting. It's just like anything. When you become a mom, a lot of things, you lose a lot of your inhibitions or like your reservations about your body
0: because
1: really? you're tired or you're overwhelmed or you just don't care what people think anymore because you, you, you recognize that your body is not designed for objectification. It actually has a function and a purpose and you know, it's it's like again, it's like you know, after the first day of school, you kind of get into the string of it, and then you're just like, whatever, it's <laughs> it is what it is. then let somebody try and come and talk to me. I dare somebody to come and try and talk to me about
0: That's beautiful. Yeah, it, it it
1: it's a very it's a very transformative process. It's just sort of like a part of growth, like everything that we all go through, all the different stages we do go through as women. You know, it's it's just another part of that. It's just another aspect.
0: Now, tell us, because you have special technology, right? So you don't have the clasp on it. I didn't even know it was nursing wear, like when I had it. It's just, to me, it's just unbelievably beautiful, high quality lingerie. So how is your technology differ? Give us the lowdown.
1: So what we wanted to do was really make sure that the bras still function um, and support you So you'll see a lot of bras on the market that are like sleep bras or like size, small, medium, large, and they can do that. So ours are actually true to size bras. But so like, for example, they run from like a 30 to like a 44, 46 A to H right now, which we're working on because that's a whole other grade line, right? So um, yeah, so we really wanted it to be a bra that can actually still support you, but then still um, come down for nursing. So that took quite a few years for us to accomplish. And we ended up getting a patent for that, which is really exciting.
0: Oh, amazing. And it's a combination
1: of a lot of things. Thank you. It's a combination of a lot of things. It's the design. It's the function. It's the fabrics. It's like a lot of things that have to come together to make it work the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much where we kind of started. But moving forward, we didn't realize how beneficial the bras would be for other women that are experiencing different things. So, it's a lot of women don't like wire. Um, yep. And so we di- we that's another added benefit. A lot of women who had fuller chest um, were not able to wear a bra without a wire. A lot of women that, you know, had some type of reconstructive surgery or had breast cancer were buying the bras because they're so soft and comfortable. So, yep. it's not something we intended to do initially, but we're so happy that it has because it, it was designed to have more of a reach and it and it's doing that in ways we didn't even envision when we first started.
0: No, I completely agree. Like I have a size H chest and what I loved about your bras is that A, they're wireless, but they're not ugly because I find a yeah. lot of wireless bras aren't particularly the most feminine. It looks more like a sports bra. Right. So yours like gave that pretty lacy feminine approach, but I also liked how the top part like that covers... I'm like pointing to the top of my boobs right yeah. here. It had almost <laughs> this elastic to it. So I wasn't yeah. overflowing from it, which right. I also have that issue. So I thought that was really beautiful. But the thing that got me the most, it's not just your bras, it was your underwear.
1: Yes, I'm really proud of our shapewear. I mean, I feel like we are more, we've really got that nailed down, like our control underwear and then our regular underwear mm-hmm. and then our shaping pieces. When we're shaping, we don't really need to like, squeeze your guts into another area that's like just ridiculous. No. I really believe that, you know, after you again, when I when I had my daughter, yes, my your stomach changes, your organs are actually grow by 25% when you're pregnant to accommodate another really? life. And so yeah, because you're peeing for somebody, you're eating for somebody, you're doing like, yeah, not all of your organs, but like quite a few of them, they do that because they have to sustain this life. So you can't be squeezing your body parts into other areas of your body. You need to let your body come down and heal, but you have to do it in a way that's safe. And so you see a lot of other cultures, they do a lot of wrapping, they do a lot of these things. And so I wanted to create something that, I mean, I bought quite a few pieces after I had my daughter, but they felt very utilitarian, medical grade. They didn't feel pretty. And so I really wanted something that still felt like it's a part of your wardrobe, Um, and it's not something that you have to like put on as under, I want to say under armor, but you know what I mean by that, right? Like, and it, but it also- Yeah, I've seen it, like, like
0: those bands.
1: Yes. Yeah. But it's also not meant to give you an unrealistic false hope about, well, this is designed to make you lose a ton of weight and get your waist back like Mm -hmm. no this is this is meant to support you and create a smoothing effect and a nice make you feel really good in your body that's what it's meant to do um but then it's also meant to look really pretty so that when you take your clothes off you're not like oh my gosh like I'm wearing this you know beige neutral medical looking (laughs) thing (laughs) you know and it just it feels like it's a part of your wardrobe
0: Yeah, I felt like it reminded me of like a vintage 1920s high-waisted undergarment. And I mean, I have photos of it on my Instagram. I felt sexy. Yes. Yeah, like gorgeous in it.
1: Amazing. And that's the point. It's like, it's how you feel. I always tell people the magic is when they try on the pieces. It isn't the pieces itself. It's when you try on the pieces and it fits your body the way it's meant to. We do something here where we check your sizing. We don't really um, expect you to. Most women don't know their sizing, and it's not that they don't know their sizing. Mm-hmm. It's because every company has no standard way of sizing you, and that's designed to make you psychologically not feel that great about yourself. You know, so really, so it's called yeah, it's called vanity sizing. If you look it up, like, there's so many companies that do it. That's why when you go to Old Navy. A size small is really a size large in like, I don't know, a brand in Holtz. You know what I mean? It's they do that. It's a, it's done on purpose.
0: Okay, like I've heard of vanity sizing. Um, yeah. didn't realize Old Navy was doing that. Um, but yeah, okay, that's actually a huge issue because um when I try to get size for bras, like from some companies, I'm an F38, some I'm a J. Other ones, yeah. I'm an H. And at this point, when companies ask me, I have to remember, like, is it American company? Is it Canadian? Is it, um, is it from, um, sorry, Europe? And I'm always yeah. so confused. And half the time when yeah. I get stuff, it doesn't fit.
1: Right. So that's why I think you remember when, I, when, I con- when you contacted yes. me, I made sure that I got your measurements. Because mm-hmm. even though you say yourself, it's not that I, d- I doubt you, I just know that, in our brand, and I tried to explain to people, we really work off of the measurements. We don't really work off of the lettering. And we're, we're, we're working on that too, on, on a way to communicate that because people get so emotionally attached to the letter or the number. Yes. And it's a, just another way to shame women. Like, well, I don't even, it's, it's ridiculous. Like if I'm, you know, all of a sudden I'm a medium or I'm a large or I'm an extra large, and I'm all upset about that, you know, it's, it's, it could be a way to help you like model- monitor yourself or sin but it generally it's not it's 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 not really reflective of what your true size is so for us we kind of make undergarments to fit your body not the other way around so even if somebody chooses a size we always send them a form and we ask them all like questions um and we're not it's not because we're doubting the person it's just we want to make sure that you're going to get the best fit in our brand Because you may have been conditioned to shop in another big retailer, for example, that will only produce 20 sizes because the reality is there's like 70 plus SKUs and bras Mm -hmm. and it's not financially lucrative for them to stock all those sizes. So when you go in, they're going to say, oh, you're, you know, um, you're this size. They'll, so they'll, I don't know if you've ever experienced that when you go to like a big chain store And you'll say, no, I'm not. And they'll just say, oh yeah, this is, because that's the size that they have. That's closest to your true size that you'll fit into, but they won't tell you that. So yes, that's why.
0: (laughs) I remember that my whole life. They were like, yeah, you're a, you're a C36, I think is one of the most common or something. You're a C36. And then you find out like, no, I'm a G or an H. And you're like. Right. And that's
1: not even, and people are like, oh my gosh, you're a double d Well, a double D could also be a 30A. I think people, you know, this is, I really try to educate people on bra sizing because your cup size is really based on the inches. So like A, B, C, D, whatever it is. Okay. Yes. Um, Tell us. Yeah. That's based on your inches. So the, the inch differentiation from your rib cage to the projection of your breast volume. But the thing is everybody's breast volume is a different shape. Not everyone's breast comes out in front of them. Everybody's breast shape is different. So some people's breast shape comes down low, some people's breasts goes to the side, like, and women who've had children can tell you that like night and day. You can immediately see the difference when you have children of what has happened to your breasts because they change. Does it mean the volume has changed? Maybe, but not necessarily. So if you are somebody, for example, um, if you are somebody who has a bra size that is like a 32c okay Okay. you're 32c and you you are somebody who's smaller around your rib cage yes but the projection of your breast volume is further out yeah yeah so then that would put you in a c if does that make sense
0: oh so they're trying to standardize breasts at these larger retailers
1: Yes. So they'll try and standardize. So, for example, when people are like, oh my gosh, okay, a 30 double V, people will be like, oh, that's humongous. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay. No. So the situation is that your breast volume is the same size as a 38A. No. Yeah. So the way it works is your rib cage is wider and your breast volume is just spread apart differently so you have the same breast volume as somebody with, with a 30 um double d but that person maybe um their rib cage is smaller and so the volume of their breast comes out further if that makes sense so it, it I, i'm trying to describe it because oh, i know oh. we're on
0: audio no 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 <laughs> it makes sense i'm just shocked that's why my mouth yeah. is dropped. i'm just like so we've all been wearing the wrong bronze.
1: I always say, well, then you're, that doesn't mean anything. You could be an A, right? (laughs) Like it's, it's the same. It's just that your breast volume is instead of going horizontal, it's coming out vertically from your body.
0: I've never had it explained to me that way.
1: Yeah. That's the only thing. So these letters and numbers don't really mean anything in terms of size.
0: That's incredible. Now you're saying yeah. that a lot of retailers, they only make so many sizes because it's more yes. profitable. How are you able to have such an extensive size range?
1: Uh, so, okay. So we've kind of figured out a way to create our bra sizing based on our cup sizing instead. And oh. what we do is we don't produce a lot in advance. We're a smaller oh, beautiful. Brand. But as we continue to grow, we've already kind of figured out how to make it to produce in a way that we can scale quickly. So it's not a situation where like, oh my gosh, I'm just making one bra a day. No, obviously that's not lucrative for us. Um, But we've, we've been able to kind of figure out how to make the framework of the bra and then make all the additional changes based on that person's size. And then we do stock a few sizes that we've noticed people purchase the most of. Um, in terms of sizing, when well, we get their measurements in again, so we don't really focus on, oh my gosh, well, I'm a 34D, you know? No, yeah. we, we kind of look at the measurements that we've had over time and we know what size our customer is that comes to us.
0: That That's beautiful. Now, when you were launching the brand, so I find a lot of companies don't have inclusive sizing although they promote like wanting to be diverse and inclusive and body positivity was that something that was really important to you when you launched the company a hundred percent
1: like i said i had gained 100 pounds when i was pregnant and i definitely didn't want anybody to feel like they are not part of you know what we're trying to do obviously there are some limitations just from a development perspective Mm-hmm. If you are looking at, like, there's different levels of size. There's junior, there's missy, there's miss, there's plus, and even that within itself in a grid. It's so much like, but um, for me, I definitely wanted that to be something that we offer from the beginning because I didn't want to leave anybody out. I mean, I have done a 6X before. It was a very interesting experience because obviously, it's a completely different construction and you have to know how to really produce and you have to really understand that part of pattern making, like a dressmaker would not be able to do that in an undergarment. You know, you have to be well-versed in that. Um, And so some things were like, okay, we can do this and that or this one we can't do and that we'll have to make some design modifications or something like that because the shape is different, you know? And then alternatively, I have women who are, like a double a and then how do we satisfy that group of women too right so you have to figure out what sells the most i guess and then move from there and that's what the larger brands do because they don't they're not as in close contact with their customer as we are because we do assess you know everyone now at this point you know and then and, and later on we might be able to get into a groove where we we kind of figured out a system, you know, but right now that's what we're doing. And when you're a larger retailer, you're not really the frontline person who's dealing with the customer is, is the person that you're relying on to sell the product. And, and it could be very different experience because they don't have that research or that connection or that relationship. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's different.
0: Now, say I'm a, so I have friends, I'm about a size 20 right now. And I have friends who are like a 26, a 30, and they have a hard time finding really beautiful pieces. Are you able to customize if someone was looking for that to be able to make their sizes?
1: We can to an extent. So right now we're working on the larger cup sizes because we're working on something that we've been working on for a very long time. Um, Yeah. So we're really excited about that. But yeah, there are, there are so many um, options and brands. The thing is, I think what has happened over time is that the larger box brands have kind of made it very difficult for brands like us who are new and really focused on giving you quality and sustainability and ethical production they've made it very hard for us because in the consumer's mind, a bra shouldn't cost more than 50 to $80. They mm. don't understand the amount of work that goes into a piece. And so when they go and they're looking at bras, like when you go into a lingerie store, you know that the bra will start at $150, $200, you know? Yeah. And there's a reason for that. It's a lot of work and development that goes into that. Um, I think that's a huge barrier for people who are... Yeah. In, a, in an outlier, whether it be smaller or larger size, outside of what people consider to be the norm, which I don't like at all. But it's it, it could be a mindset barrier too, because they can, just in general, consumers have been conditioned to buy fast fashion yep. and move on trends. And they don't understand, like right now we've pivoted um, temporarily, but I mean, it's been we were making masks and- Oh, wonderful. Somebody had put up, yeah, somebody had put up um, somewhere, not for us, but for somebody else who was sewing it at home. I mean, they were charging, you know, $25 and like, oh my gosh, I can get a mask for a dollar. You know, like this is Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And a lot of us that actually have a brand, were like, no, it's not ridiculous. First of all, this person doesn't have the know-how or the resources they're buying the fabric at cost, not at wholesale. Yeah, You know, there's so many different factors. And the bigger question should be, why is it so cheap for you to get a mask for a dollar? Like that's
0: disturbing. Um, so I completely agree with this and I'd love to talk about it. So recently oh. um, I purchased from H&M and I have to return a ton of things because I didn't I didn't pick out the proper sizing. I've never bought from them before. And someone who's part of the sustainable fashion, ethical fashion, explained to me that when I ship them back, it's all going to be burned because of the cost it would be to pay someone. So personally, I've been consuming a lot of fast fashion because it's more affordable, because it is trendy without knowing the harm that I'm really doing, whether that's my own ignorance. So I'd love for you to talk more about sustainability, um, yeah. why you chose that, maybe things that people don't know and about ethical fashion, because I would like to share with the people listening right now is when I got your order in the mail, I have never felt quality underwear like that in my life.
1: Oh my gosh. That's yeah. So like
0: I, I can honestly say there's a lot of lingerie brands i worked with and yours compares with only one other that I know of that has that kind of quality. And I know that sometimes it seems expensive, but I know that your pair, if I stay in the same size for my body, um, would last me years to come. Whereas a lot of the other ones, I may get a few months out of it and I'd have to throw out because they'd be so worn. Um, So if
1: you could like- I actually really love what you said there. I just wanted to stop you there because I think that's so- Um, intuitive that you mentioned that about yourself. And I try to explain that to women too. And I think that's another way we've been conditioned to shop. Your body does fluctuate. It fluctuates by season. It fluctuates when you get your period. Oh my gosh, pregnancy. I mean, all those things. You can't always expect yourself to fit into the same thing you've been wearing over and over. And you definitely can't expect yourself. Here's another thing. It's like women in their 20s, want to fit into in their 30s want to fit into what they could wear in their 20s like as we mature our body changes and it's done Mm -hmm. it does that for a physiological reason for us to survive as women um we're not meant to look like we did when we were 20 or 15 that's Mm -hmm. we're not biologically meant to do that now the unfortunate thing is we're bombarded with ads with all these very young girls on them make that are <laughs> made up to look like they're 30 and they're 15 or 16. And then you start to look at that and be like, oh my gosh, I need this anti-aging cream. That girl is 10. That's why that anti-aging cream works because she's not even aged yet. <laughs>
0: I know, I, Kate, I had no idea till I showed up for my first photo shoot and I'm like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Like, but why is her mom here? Like, is her mom just supporting her? And they're like, she's 14. And it was like yeah. her wedding gowns and veils. And I was like, she's 14. And then yeah, they, I know. they explained to me in the beauty ads, that they are like 12 year olds because they're the yes. only ones who have that like porcelain skin. And I was yes. like, I've been sold a lie my whole life. Like, no, yes. this cannot be re- like, no. I know. Like, so, what?
1: <laughs> I know. So that's really good for you to say that, you know, if you, you know, your body does change. And I mean, that's another part of the whole postpartum part is we wanted to make sure that the bras expand and contract. Because when you're yes. breastfeeding, your breasts change sizes 20 times a day. Like, it's crazy. They just go up and down all over the place. They change. Yeah. So, um, but back to your original question about um, sustainability and, and ethical production, that is the mo if you see a brand that says okay well it actually cost me more to send it back or you know just keep it throw it in the garbage i mean that's not sustainable and i try to work with fabrics like i'm working with lace and even that we have a new surprise coming out We're really excited about that but i can't wait yeah yeah but i'm working with lace and that's not and a natural fiber a fabric I mean that's something that's been made right like it's and it depends on how it's made so I try to work with the best quality and I work with these families that are really conscious about their low impact dyes and how they're producing the lace and how they're coloring the lace and stuff like that so amazing to me that's the closest thing I'm going to get um outside of what we're doing next which is really exciting but when you're looking at other fabrics like that they say oh it's uh at all. There's a lot of um, plastic in that that people don't realize. These things do not break down in landfills, and they create a lot of problems in our environment. And we don't see it because we're living over here and we don't produce it here, really. I mean, we do, but in general, like clothing is not produced here. But when you go to another country where people are exploiting Workers, you will see the state and the environment of their habitat is not a healthy environment for anybody and it's ruining the world. So, the issue with fast fashion, it's become this way to continuously convince women that they're not enough. They need to keep up with the time so they have to buy Mm -hmm. whatever's trendy. And then let's just make it quick and cheap so that the most money and who cares because it's going to be out of style next month, anyways. So, let's just keep selling and make cheap quality things. I try to let women know if you're something, try to gravitate towards something that you see is always in that store. And it's coming out in a different color, or it's coming out in a different whatever, because that's something that's going to last. And it's transcending time. It's timeless, right? Yeah. And I do that even when I choose my laces. I'm not, I don't really want to see what's on trend because i know it's like another company that's forecasting what's trendy right so Mm -hmm. they decide and then the mills go from there it's a it's all calculated fashion is not it's a business and i think people don't really know that it is a level of creativity and and yes but we're working within the confines of what people will determine to be what is relevant today
0: I completely agree with you. I can com- I yeah. completely agree. And I think that's so important is that your pieces, oh, what's the word for it? They're timeless. Like yeah. that's what I yeah. got from them is how beautiful they are. And they're they're exquisite. Like they reminded me of something that should be in Europe. Like that's that's yeah. what I think of them. Like when I found you, yeah. I thought for sure you were gonna be from Paris. Oh my gosh. Like, God. like right. I died when I was like, okay, female founder and Toronto. What And they have my size. I was shocked. What? And also what I really love too, is that you use the real people as your models, which I find, yeah. I find a lot of companies attempt to do that or say they want to do that, but then you don't see as many larger bodies actually in the campaign and yeah. in yours, you do, which I find really incredible. It's one of my yeah. favorite things. But and so I... is is everything made in Toronto then? Yes. And where do the fabrics come from? So everything we make in-house, we don't make
1: anything outside of our factory. Amazing. Um, we might consider doing that in the future. But even then, I am very, very particular for quality um, I'm also extremely particular about the environment that people are working in, because I like to sleep at night, so I am very mindful of how things are made, where they're made. Um, yeah, so that was the first question, and I got sidetracked. The second question was, oh, the fabrics. So I do source as locally as I possibly can. So, when I'm looking at fabrics, I try to source within North America first for the things that I know are available. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, it's just the nature of the business, but that's probably going to change after this whole pandemic, um, you know, kind of calms down. A lot of people have offshored their production because in order for them to survive and remain competitive, they've had to do that. So they've moved their companies from like the United States or even Montreal or whatever and they've started producing in other countries to make their really? ladies and their fabrics. Yeah. So that's been happening for years. It actually started in the 80s. But, you know, during the 80s, Nike and used to produce, like the Wonder Bra. Like we used to be one of the biggest lingerie hubs in the world. Victoria's Secret used to produce in Montreal. Like really? this was a really, really, yeah. We used to be one of the places to produce underwear. And we shored all of our skill and expertise for the dollar. That's what happened. So I'm younger um, than my predecessors. And I do believe in Made in Canada. I do believe in ethical production. Um, a lot of people that I meet with, sometimes they are just different people that I meet with that are, would, people would consider to be a mentor or something, be like, oh, there's no money in that. You need to offshore blah, blah, blah but i think it depends on how you position yourself if you're just looking to, to be the cheapest fastest brand then there's no money in producing it here obviously yeah. but if you're going to produce it here you need to have some level of excellence. you have to have you have to have just you know all the feelings that you get when you get our piece it should be reflected in that or otherwise you're definitely not going to be able to compete because nobody cares if it's made here or bangladesh if it's for five dollars Um, and it's falling apart, or if it's for $50, and it's falling apart, obviously, I'm going to choose the $5 one, I don't really, I'm looking at that, right? So you have to have um, a mindset around that. And there's a lot of things that are free that you can educate yourself. And I don't think it's fair to just leave it on the consumer, because that the government should be stepping in and, 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 you know, enforcing some type of incentive to buy locally, and they're not. And so, As a consumer, it's not your fault. Like you're not, you're you're expecting just like our food. You're expecting, you know, things to be made and grown in a healthy, like that's, how do I say this? That's the basic bare minimum that Mm -hmm. we believe as human beings are being done for our clothing and our food. We don't expect our things to be made by children in a sweatshop. Nobody thinks like that. We think- that we expect the brands to do their due diligence and actually care about this world and the environment. And with social media and people like you, thank God, and all of these things that are happening, everybody's helping to uncover the real truth about what is going
0: on. Yeah. And that can help you make better decisions. I find uh, one person who's really great about sharing this information. I think her name's Marielle. Marielle. Okay. She's a blogger. It's like Marielle Elizabeth, and she talks a lot about sustainable fashion, and she talks a lot about um, about if a company isn't transparent on their website or isn't open or willing to share that information right. right away, but they're making claims that they are sustainable or they are more ethical, they're probably not. Because most exactly. sustainable and ethical mm-hmm. companies have no problem sharing exactly where things are manufactured even showing you what the facility looks like because they want you right. to be a part of that process and they want to be transparent. Yeah, what about is
1: there that? to hide? That is, that is the exciting part of getting your piece. Is like, oh my gosh, this is how it's made. This is how it's. Done. I don't understand. There's a lot of brands out. Well, I do understand. I mean, but there's a lot of brands in North America, especially they have a louder voice. They have a lot of um, investment or financial backing, and so they can bamboozle the consumer with all this body positive marketing and all oh this other God. stuff, but then their product, you don't even know where their product is made. They don't even put it on their website. Um, you know, it's like an afterthought or another thing that really irks me as a business owner in Canada is that people will say, well, designed here, made in so-and-so, or this is a Canadian <laughs> brand, you know, Sorry, this is a Canadian I see that brand. all the time right? Like, but it's okay. It's like, or this is a Canadian brand. Okay. You're a Canadian brand, but where are your Canadian values? Like, what does that mean to you? What is a Canadian value? People assume that Canadians are like peace givers. We're all about quality. We're all about these things. But then if you're exploiting people in another country and you're not being transparent in your production, mm-hmm. you know, but people will, it's, and again, I don't, I don't think it's the consumer's fault because I'm a consumer as well. And yeah, I I mean, when I first had my daughter, I was shopping at all the big stores that people know today. Mm-hmm. I was not thinking anything of it. I was just looking at the price, you know, and now yeah. I'm more like, oh my gosh, I am not buying that. I'm going to learn to buy vintage or like, when I say buy vintage, like buy something that's, um, you know, maybe a classic piece or okay, I'm definitely yeah. not opposed to like shop. I mean, when we were growing up, we would shop in our friends' closets. What's wrong with that? Yeah. How many dresses can you wear for one, we- like for weddings? Honest no, it's God. so true. Like, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. People, you know.
0: So I want to so, speak on the made in Canada part. So I worked for yeah. a boutique in Toronto that only featured clothing that was made in Canada. Um, and one of my jobs was I wanted to bring in a couple brands that... Um, that were made here. But the issue I had was that a lot of brands actually are only designed in Canada. They're not physically made here. And to find the difference out is really, really hard. I yeah. wanted to reach out to companies like Madden and They had sunglasses and I thought they'd be great in store. And then all of a sudden I saw that tagline, designed in Canada. And the more I started to look at a lot of these brands that I loved and supported because I thought they were Canadian, were all designed in canada and they would not disclose the factories where they were manufactured
1: well so this is it so i'm totally fine if you're a canadian company i guess my opinion you know like i am totally fine with that if you're talking about my opinion i am totally fine if you're a canadian company and you're doing good in other countries by employing people and providing a safe working environment and fair wages that's that's amazing. That's the benefit of being over here and having access to things and having a better quality of life. Not when you're saying design in Canada, made in so-and-so, but I'm not showing you where I make it because I don't want you to know how it's made. That's a completely different concept of, of yeah. Canadian. And, you know, I'm not against offshore production. I'm just i just want people to recognize and be mindful that when people say they're a canadian company what does that mean are you a canadian company that's doing amazing things in other countries and using your quote-unquote privilege to support other countries and and help i don't know whatever it is you your mission is empower women or Bring fair wages or whatever it is? Or are you a company that just offshores all your stuff? You don't even want to know how it's made or you don't want people to know how it's made and you're just pumping out ads to make people think that they're buying a good product, you know, but how it's made is not that great yeah
0: i completely agree with you and i didn't realize how hard it was to find things that are actually made here and to find out where they're coming from um okay now speaking about the bras so yes before i started doing a lot of this body positivity stuff i would only spend like fifty dollars on a bra and even then i thought that was a lot of money like i was younger that's what i truly believed i was like shopping at licenza which I now realize that none of those bras fit. Oh, me too. Quality was terrible. Um, It took me getting a proper fitting to realize what boob support felt like. Um, But can you speak to the price? Like you said, a lot goes in to like buying local or sustainable and ethical. Could you explain maybe the process and why it is more money and what you get for that? yeah
1: and then there's also i i also have to say there are some brands that just because they have a brand name they mark the price up Mm -hmm. so there's two different types of price pricing okay some people for example you know how much how much it costs to make and then they mark the price up because they they built a brand up and they can literally afford to charge you this amount of money um you know when it doesn't cost that amount of money to make but in general when you're looking at quality things it does take time to develop the pattern. It takes time to, um, you know, development takes a lot of time if you're doing it right. And all of that needs to be factored into your cost in order to keep going. Um, Another thing is the fabric. That's another piece. So we try, what we do here is we do one price. We don't do you know, a larger, pri- larger bra would be costing more. We don't do that. We oh, factored into the cost of everybody's, you know what I mean? But yeah. I can also understand why sometimes like if you are a quote unquote plus size brand, yes, um, your, tr- your cost may be higher if you're doing things in a, like in a way that's transparent because it does take more time to develop that okay. and you do need more fabric. So Okay. That makes sense to me. And lace is not cheap. <laughs> <That's just another laughs> thing people don't realize like, good quality lace is not cheap. So, I can go on about that. That's a whole other situation. But um, yeah, so that's why you would see a price difference. When you see things that are cheaper, now here's another thing like, sometimes you're buying lace or you're buying a bra and it's like 20 bucks. How is it even possible? Well, that's, that's a great question um sometimes people are not buying how they're how it's made is one situation but then also you can batch run a lot of lace with not good quality fabrics and then you spray them with this really bad chemical to make sure that they don't fall apart um and yeah and then that way they can hold up in the washer and whatever So I do try to explain that to people, too, about washing their clothes, because you'll notice when you have really good pieces, like if you had a wedding dress, you're not going to throw that in the washing machine and in the dryer. You're not. No. You're going to, you know, or if you have like a really special piece of clothing, you know how to wash it. You're not going to throw it in the washer or dryer. It's the same thing with good quality undergarments. Like they're not going to be able to withstand hours of heat in the dryer. They're just not. They're going to start changing and warping like a wool sweater, you wouldn't throw a wool sweater in the washer or the dryer in heat, right? So these are things, you know, because it's a natural. Right. So (laughs) I feel like those are also indicators as well. So some people are like, oh my God, like, you know, that's another misconception that if the, the quality is good, it would be able to withstand these harsh Um, situations that you're putting your clothing in when it's actually a lot of synthetic fabrics and chemicals that are put onto these things that when you women are affected more than men um, with hormonal disruption but that's what ends up happening to your body
0: (laughs) my jaw is so far dropped right now I'm like what yeah what there's a spray with late what oh yeah
1: oh yeah every fabric it's like that like You know, we use organic cotton in our bras for that reason because I want women to be able to breathe, and I still want them to be lying um, because they're wearing lace. But the lace we're using is like low impact dye or whatever. But no, most brands they're using a spray. um, Oh, for example, they use the chemical on on it, and it's the same thing with with. Sorry, you cut out. You cut out there. like wrinkle free. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a spray that they use on the fabrics, just like wrinkle-free. When you see something wrinkle-free, it's, yeah, okay, that's great, but there's a chemical put on that fabric to make sure it it doesn't wrinkle. I don't entirely know if I do the, I mean, I'm not in that industry, like I don't make shirts or anything, Um, but yeah, there's all those things, or like waterproof, oh my God, like waterproof and all that, that's a chemical, that's not, there's nothing, they they spray a chemical on there to make it that way. That's it. That's yeah. it. I don't even know what to do now. <laughs> I don't even know what to think. I know. And it, it can be overwhelming, but I do definitely want to leave like the listeners with things like there's a, a documentary called, um, I think it's
0: What's it called? Sorry.
1: No, I, I said the machine. The Machinist you so on bad. YouTube okay. is free. The Machinist. Okay. Yes. The Machinist on YouTube is free. And then there's another, uh, documentary called the true cost, which is excellent. I've heard about about that one. So good. It's just a really gentle way to introduce you into these things. And people wonder, Oh, well, like how it's overwhelming. It's just like food right about food, overwhelming. Um, so you do one thing at a time. Don't, don't feel bad. And this is another thing. It's like not a moral choice. It's, you just one thing at a time just like anything else in your life you just have to take the time to decide okay well I'm going to start with a company that you know I know produces in a certain way and then I'm going to learn about fabrics or whatever like it's it can it's overwhelming the more you learn the more you're like I can't believe this world functions this way like it's shocking
0: oh my goodness oh my well I think that's yeah note to end on is there anything else you wanted to share about yourself or your brand or i mean i just
1: what do i want to share about myself is that we're really grateful to be able to continue going during this time i mean we've had to pivot 100 in order for us to survive and we took our expertise and we're making non-medical masks um and you know, I'm not using dead stock like a lot of companies are because they are not selling. I actually went and bought out the correct fabric that was recommended um, really with the most updated research. Yes. And we're coming up with a very
0: fun fashion piece that I know that you're going to love. I'm like, what is this? You keep hinting and I'm like, yeah. I'm looking at your Instagram account. Like every time yes. I look at my phone, I'm like on your account going, what could this be? I will send you a sneak preview, okay?
1: I will te- I will send it to you, but we'll definitely okay. reveal it to everybody. By the time this comes out, I'm sure we'll do the reveal. The reveal will be out, but I'll send you a sneak preview of what we're working on. So, so oh, yeah, that's just for nice. the Yeah, we want to make sure that they fit properly Yeah, and that there's no gap, but then you can still breathe, but then they're still stylish because the reality is, I think it's going to be a part of our, our wardrobe going forward and- i do too i didn't just we we ended up buying 100 percent cotton because we're not using anything else polyester and all those things didn't perform as well according to the study that came out that was published in the new york times so we really invested in in making sure like we do everything else that it's going to be the right thing for people
0: that's incredible and i have one last question because i never asked you this sure what did you do before you launched the lingerie company
1: Oh my gosh. So I have zero fashion background. Um, my, I worked in communications. I mean, I studied that and I worked in media, like I was working in different areas of media and I didn't realize how, um, how do I say it? How organized everything is, you know, it's not as authentic as people think things are when they're looking at the news or they're reading something or whatever. Right. And I found that actually owning my own brand, it's a lot, while it's very stressful, it's a lot more liberating in that you are the voice of your brand and you can decide what message you're letting people, you know, you're giving to people. So that's kind of what I did before, but I had no fashion background and now I have a factory and I'm teaching people and I'm designing and I'm doing different things and I'm learning every day. So it's really interesting.
0: That's incredible. Now, if there's anyone out there listening who wants to start their own brand, what is the best advice you could give to them?
1: I would say that you have to focus on a reason. You have to have a reason as to why you're starting your brand. It cannot be because you want to be famous because then you'll be miserable. For me, what drives me is that women like yourself feel good in what I make. I know that I'm making it in the best way possible with the healthiest working environment fabrics that I can. Um, I worry about that so that you don't have to, but that's what keeps me going. When people write to me and they say, oh my God, my bra changed my life. Or when people try on the piece or and they start crying because they didn't recognize themselves after they had children. like That's the piece that keeps me going every day because running a business is very, very difficult. And it's very, very mentally, it's a mental roller coaster. And I don't think that people glamorize entrepreneurship, but it's very, very tough. And they don't talk about the realities of entrepreneurship enough. So I would say ignorance is bliss to a point, Mm -hmm. but I would, I would highly recommend that if you're starting a business, it's because you feel like you have a purpose and you're fulfilling a need And fame is not the number one reason why you're starting the business. The reason why you're starting the business is because you want to do something that's going to fill a part of you that will keep you going when times are really tough.
0: That's incredible. When the money's
1: not coming in, when the money's not coming in, when your brand isn't where you thought it would be, whatever. It's like those little moments is what keeps you going.
0: That like thank you so much for sharing that because that is the real truth. It is hard and your why needs to be authentic. Yes. Thank you. I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast. So I'm not yes, even going to attempt exactly. to go forward because I'm like a million questions. Okay. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, everything will be in the show notes along with all your information so people can check you out there. Um, do you want to plug what your Instagram and your website is? Okay.
1: Yeah, so we're at mayanagenevere.com, so that's M-A-Y-A-N-A-G-E-N-E-V-I-E-R-E, and same on Instagram, so you can check us out there, we're pretty active on stories, um, and we're
0: really responsive to our DMs, mm-hmm. so...
1: Yeah. Check us out there. Perfect.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. And thank you so much for having me. It was so wonderful talking to you. Okay. Thank you. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to Glassbreakers podcast. You can find all the details from today's episode in the show notes. If you're looking for our exclusive promo codes, that's where you'll find them as well. For additional podcast information, head over to KaylaLogan.com underneath the podcast section. To check us out on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Podcast don't forget to subscribe and write a review. And until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.